a doctor in the house. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. All right, Dr. Batar, this is one of those advanced medicines where people are going to go, why can't you bring a woman on board with you tonight? Because we're going to open with breastfeeding. Uh, Super Don has volunteered to show us. And uh, beyond, I know, I'm just kidding. Super Don has not volunteered. Unless there's I have coffee. nipples, Greg. Can you milk me? <laughs> unless there's coffee coming out of the nipples, he's not volunteering. That's what he said. But... <laughs> But Dr. Bizarre, you did. You sent me this article today, and it has kind of gone viral uh, about the United States apparently threatening other nations, you know, world trade stuff, United Nations stuff, World Health Organization stuff, over a breastfeeding resolution. What? Did you read this? I actually watched the video, and I was wondering whether you'd seen the video, but it's just appalling. And the fact that the United States was the bully threatening military and economic sanctions against anybody if they were to vote for the resolution, which is a, it's a simple resolution uh, basically encouraging, from, a, from the World Health Organization standpoint, encouraging people, uh, encouraging countries to encourage their own citizens to basically breastfeed because there's natural um, immune function. I mean, we can go into the, all the aspects and benefits of breastfeeding, but... Mm-hmm. I assume that's why the World Health Organization was pushing this agenda. I'm not 100% sure, but the fact that the U.S. opposed it and opposed it so vehemently that they threatened with uh, military and economic sanctions against anybody that would vote for this resolution is just absolutely appalling. It just doesn't make any sense. Well, it does when you understand that Nestle is basically writing our foreign policy. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest about this. The United States has been uh, taken over by global corporations in many cases, uh, and, and in some cases, Trump is doing some good work and breaking some of that up. But in this case, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I would tell Donald Trump, I said, Trump, you know, you need to get Nestle and these corporations to back off. No one was trying to prohibit that I'm aware of Nestle's formula, although there could be an argument to ban it because it's genetically modified and filled with corn syrup solids. Yeah. Yeah. So it's one of those things that if you... That was another aspect to it, actually, that they were, they, they, if you noticed on the video, they said that they were encouraging not divulging all the other components in the artificial um, synthesized, whatever, whatever the formulas are, all mm-hmm. the preservatives and all the other things that they, that was part of the resolution, too, to divulge what actually was in the formulas uh, to make sure the parents and the picture of the people were aware of all the ingredients. And that was another thing that the United States coalition that was representing uh, the U.S. as far as uh, in the World Health Organization, they basically minimized it. Ah, no, no, it's not important. We don't need to say anything about it. So it was only a one-minute or maybe one-minute and ten-second segment at, on CNN, but I think it was so powerful, I'm going to actually have somebody video capture that because I'm afraid that they may even take that off because once the powers of B realize that, uh, oh, the cat's out of the bag, they may try to get mm. rid of that footage. But it's so compelling because you start realizing, even, you know, we always blame the media. But here's a yeah. case with media, maybe by accident, 
uh, discovered this, and I would not be surprised if they take it off the air and we won't find any uh, evidence of this ever being out there because I didn't hear about it anywhere else until I saw it on CNN. Yeah, this is a you know this is a tough issue, but again, this is not our endorsement of suddenly CNN has become the you know the, the righteous news organization. It's like Super Don's point that there are times where you look at a story, you independently validate or verify it, and yeah, there, some are going to use this to say uh, we're going to bash Trump over this because it's Trump's policy. But quite honestly, this was the policy under the Obama years and the Bush years before him. This is like the oligarchy. This is the point where the government that has been captured by global corporations like Nestle, Big Food, ConAgra, things like this, the GMOs, the Bears and Monsantos of the world, this is what happens. And then they backpedal by saying, we're, we're not against breastfeeding. We just don't want women who can't breastfeed to be stigmatized. As if there was anything in the promotion of breastfeeding was intending to, well, all you ladies that can't breastfeed, oh, shame on you. There's nothing about that. It's about promoting and letting people know that, hey, man, the best thing, woman, the best thing to do is breastfeed. If you can't, all right, you got some other options. By the way, there are better options than Nestle's Nesquik corn syrup GMO solids kind of uh, theoretical nutrition. If there is nutrition, it's typically synthetic in there. And so, so you know, it, go ahead. I have a question. You're, you're talking about Nestle. So tell me why why beating up a Nestle for a second? Because I mean, they mm-hmm. may justify they may justify getting a good beating. I'm not really 100 percent sure why. Because today I was talking to a representative from one of the companies that manufactures some of our um, specific supplements that we use in our in our medical line, pharmaceutical grade supplements. Mm-hmm. And that company was bought. The company that company was bought out by the family that started it over 100 years ago, and another company bought them, and now Nestle actually bought them. So Nestle actually owns um, Jordan Rubin's company, Garden of Life, that he sold. Uh, right. They own encapsulations. They own they own a number of different pharmaceutical-grade nutraceutical companies that have a very good reputation and that, you know, I myself do business with a couple of these companies, but they're all Nestle-owned. So tell me... Because I'm, I'm, I'm not. This is not a. Uh, this is not a setup question. I really, truly don't know. And I thought maybe you would know, since you're mentioning Nestle. What is the connection there? Why would a company that mm-hmm. have this agenda that you're talking about? Why would they be investing their dollars in nutraceuticals? Is it because they're they're looking for the power, the the, the, the money return, or from what I understand, they're putting a lot of money into research and development for some of these, you know, improved formulas. So you tell me, what what do you think the angle is? Well, this has been going on for a while, and it's uh, the how do you grow in America? You buy stuff, right? And what happened is these multinationals couldn't beat in the regulatory arena that they tried to, like because the Dietary Supplement Health and Education Act saved or protected to some degree the supplement industry, and it's grown to a multi-billion dollar industry. So the concept at that level is that we can't beat them, buy them. And so we've seen a lot of these smaller companies that had all the integrity in the world being bought up, by, uh, well, American Home Products was associated with Monsanto at a certain point, and they bought some of the companies, and that made you suspect, and it has to make you ask, how much autonomy do these companies that had integrity, once they're bought off, are they still going to maintain that integrity? I don't know. I mean, it's possible, but I don't know. So the suspicion is on because a company like Nestle, being a multinational, really has invested and made its big money related to synthetic toxic chemistry and in terms of uh, baby formulas of course you look at the ingredients you go my gosh i would never feed that to a baby but they hold a very dominant position globally in terms of supplying the third world much less the so-called first world 
with these options that say women, breastfeeding, nah, six months, that's all, right? That's all you need. Of course, in reality, in areas where the children are the healthiest, the women tend to breastfeed a little longer than six months. But of course, yeah. that means less sales for Nestle. So again, this is not an ingredient issue in the moment, but these are questions we have to ask. Yeah, so the, during the conversation today, in fact, uh, one of the comments that was made uh, by this person that works for one of the companies that's owned by Nestle, uh, she said that it was, she was hesitant at first, but she's very happy what's happened over the last year. And she said that even though Nestle's in the hospital, she said they're obviously not in the right position in the hospitals and, you know, products that are good. But that, that's one of the things that they're angling for, Nestle is apparently, to come up with um, nutritional products that can be actually that are like discardable containers that like a can, you know, a canned drink that is a nutritional drink, meaning with vitamins and such, um, that, that's a healthy drink that they're going to actually try to get into the hospitals. And they're using these nutritional companies to create, they're doing research and development to create the products that they can get mm-hmm. a healthy, viable product into the hospitals, which was shocking to me. I just heard that today uh, during lunch. So I was actually- Yeah, I, I think it, it's cheaper for them to acquire these companies that have been doing good work and hopefully piggybacking off of them. Of course, again, it's right to be suspicious of a company that big. I mean, they're the ones that buy water rights and basically take water from aquifers and just sell it in plastic bottles all over the world and make a fortune on it. And so yeah, there are a lot of business practices that are not, I would say, above board if they have the ability to purchase uh, government regulators and influence to such a degree that these small companies wouldn't have. Now, those small companies say, hey, we got the advantage of having all this money behind us to do this research. The question is research integrity in terms of what products are actually going to manifest from it. There's always an argument to be made that there are going to be some good things that happen. I wouldn't discount that. But I wouldn't also suddenly believe that Nestle is going to invest in 100% whole food, non-GMO nutrition because they bought a good company. So, no, I, again, I would agree with that. I would yeah. agree with what you're saying. But you know, you've got good companies like Whole Foods that have also you know, created great injustice by labeling foods a certain way and misleading people, people thinking because it's organic, it doesn't have right. a amount of ingredients in it, too. So the, the question really comes back to... Um, is it possible for, for like these big companies? I mean, to, you know, when you made a comment about they're the ones that took water and then sold it all over the world in plastic bottles. But you know, between you and me, Robert, that's that's a business decision. And if they're getting water and they're purifying it, regardless of whether it's good quality water or not, it's better than contaminated water. And it's capitalism. They've they've saw business opportunity and they took it and. Who amongst us, if we weren't in that position and we had a company that saw an opportunity where we could where we could earn money and do it legitimately, that we wouldn't take it? You, you right, me? right. No, but your key word there is legitimately, and there's arguments about whether they've done it legitimately in terms of buy, buying water rights to aquifers that end up robbing the water. Um, you know, uh, for the people in the areas. So again, it's but you're right. It's about legitimacy because we're all about making legitimate money. You got a, you got an idea. You can get it to market. Absolutely excellent. Now, of course, we would argue that filtration technology is advanced to the point where you can take polluted water and clean it up and not have to invest in thousands and millions and billions of these chemical uh, plastic bottles that are now not degrading anywhere on planet Earth. And that, again, becomes problematic. It becomes one of the persistent organic pollutants that now we have to remove from people. Right. Well, uh, I I mean, I completely agree with you on that. And the reason I bring it up is just because I think we we owe a fair 
representation on both ends of the argument. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I, I can't blanketly say that they're a bad company because if they're buying all these nutritional companies, maybe their agenda is bad. But certainly from what I've heard today, it seems like they have a they're, they're good. There could be some good coming out. Yeah, no, I don't dispute that. I, I think that... Uh, it's harder to see when we've watched these companies operate for all these years, and then suddenly they do something like, oh, my gosh, they bought a really good company. What's going to happen? We just have to keep our due diligence in order so that we sh- we're assured that they're not compromising the quality of those things that we found to be good. All right, advanced medicine, not compromising the quality ever. Dr. Batar and I will continue after this. The revolution will be broadcast. The Robert Scott Bell Show. The information is so good, it requires no expiration date. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, Dr. Batar, we haven't done one of these in a while. Uh, with studies, yes, we talk about studies a lot, all of the time. But not every one of them uh, provide us such obviousness that they could only be called today's moment of duh. What are you people? On dope? <laughs> Amalgamated Association of Morons. Local 6 and 7 What is your major malfunction? Well, today's moment of dub brought to you by Medical Errors Are Us. Apparently, we were under the mistaken impression that healthy, rested, relaxed, chill doctors were making all the mistakes. Apparently, that's not right. It's those who are burned out, exhausted, stressed. Burned to their last crisp. They're the ones making the medical errors more than anybody else. And Dr. Batar, how did we miss this? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I actually, actually, it's kind of strange that they would. I now understand why you played the moment of doubt because any profession, uh, any occupation, when people are burned out, they're not going to perform as well. So I'm not sure why they needed a study to do that. But anyway. That's why it's a moment of doubt. I mean, you have burnout, you got fatigue, you have depression. And they're saying, well, those are the doctors making most of the mistakes. It's like, I didn't know. We were just, you know, again, this is one of those things. I mean, I'm glad they're acknowledging it because they say medical mistakes, errors, 100,000 to 200,000 deaths per year, according to the Institute of Medicine. It's not mild. It's not a couple of people. Even even that would be bad, about 100 to 200,000 or more. Yeah, it's actually the third leading cause of death according to the John Hopkins study that was done about uh, 12, 13 years ago. And uh, those that oppose that statistic, their argument is, well, that's not accurate data. It is not the third leading cause of death. It's only the, it's only the fifth leading cause of death, as if that's any That's better. really great. Shakes top, better, yeah. <laughs> yeah, top 1,000, you know, you're still, it's the profession that's been appointed to take care and safeguard life is responsible for, you know, the third leading cause of death or the fifth leading cause of death. If it's mm-hmm. in the first top thousand, two thousand, it's it's just unacceptable. Yeah, listen, listen to this. So everybody gets perspective here. Be careful who your doctor is or when you see them. They might be perfectly good normally, but boy, oh boy, if they're burned out. 55% of doctors reported symptoms of burnout. 33% had high levels of fatigue. 6.5% had thoughts of killing themselves in the last year. And according to the study, doctors have three to five times the suicide rate of the general public. 
Now, medical error is more than twice as likely to happen if the doctor assigns a burnout, 38% more likely if they assigns a fatigue. Again, these would be common sense. That's why we call it a moment of dumb. But it's, a, you know, it's, it's serious. It's like if a truck driver has burnout. I think there was somebody I just saw yesterday drove off the road. They, they were so fatigued they fell asleep at the wheel. That's dangerous. But a doctor caring for lots of people in a similar circumstance Medicine is already dangerous because the medicines themselves, if you get those wrong, well, man, this is, it's really dying. It makes me nervous again for everybody that has a doctor and it's not a Dr. Batar. Well, I appreciate you saying that, Robert, but there's a lot of good people out there that are doing a lot of good work. And I think that uh, part of this burnout that we're talking about, part of this fatigue that we're talking about, is not just because of how hard doctors work, but because they're working in an oppressed environment. They're, they're glorified cooks. They know that they're not doing innately. They know they're not doing the right thing. They feel mm. um, off-kilter. They went into medicine to help people, and they know deep down they're not really helping medicine, uh, helping people. They're just providing palliative care. They don't see people getting better. They get depressed. They have their own issues that are going on. They start to see patients as numbers, you know, just get them out the door. So it's not just the burnout and fatigue because they're working hard. I think the burnout and the fatigue comes secondary to the environment within which they're forced to practice, i.e. the modern medical medical hierarchy. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's, it's that. Confucius said, pick a job you love. I think Confucius said it. At least it's attributed to him. Pick a yeah. job you love and you'll never work a day in your life. And I think the doctors went into the profession because they wanted to help people. But then when they get into that profession and they're regulated and you know, any, anything innovative that they do, you know the deal. You know, yeah. uh, I, I've been told that I'm a workaholic. I've been told that by you, by many people. Um, but... I don't feel like I'm a workaholic. I, I think I'm a pretty inherently lazy person, and I. Uh, <laughs> you, but you love what you do, and that's exactly right. And so yeah. that's one reason I'm not fatigued and I'm not burned out because I can see the. You know, it takes no matter how bad the day is, Robert. One person comes up and says something to you. Uh, I'll, I'll just share something with you right now. I hope I real quick. We're up on a break. Okay. Well, I'll, we'll talk about it. Uh, we'll do it in, in the next section. But it's, okay. All right. Yeah, the point being that basically fatigue, I think it's the fatigue of the environment. Yeah, and this is why my uncle, the medical doctor, told me not to become one. He saw it in the 70s and 80s, and that's a big reason why they're fatigued and burned out, not just because they're doctors. All right, folks, we've got a lot more healing to go. Advanced Medicine continues on the Robert Scott Bell Show after this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. In all my years of radio, I've never seen anything like this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Robert Scott, the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. All right, upcoming events always listed in the show notes at robertscottbell.com. You can also go to advancedmedicine.com, and we have links directly there to sign up for a very special association. Gets you out of the public domain, and you can do stuff, learn stuff, say stuff that you can't say in public. Yeah. No, and we're not talking about cuss words. That's not what we're saying. Although perhaps uh, really... Bringing the power to heal very directly back to you is considered a cuss word by uh, the pharmaceutical oligarchy. They don't like it when you're empowered to heal, but we do. We I like to empower you. Yeah. I, I so, agree with you with that statement. Well, and, and this is the thing about the burnout we were just talking about, which is a fascinating story. I mean, it was kind of a moment of doubt for us, but at the same time, you develop the nuances of why it's happening so much in the medical profession. You go in for the right reasons. You want to help people. and finally, you, you get there, and you're like, you're so excited, and suddenly you're like, nope. You mean I can't do that? I can't do that? I can't. You mean if I do that, I'm going to lose my license? But that actually works and helps people. I mean, how would you not be a little depressed in that situation? You took a unique course of action to say, you know what? No mediocre medicine for me. I'm doing advanced medicine. 
And of course, you've been attacked for it. But you've got your integrity intact, too, and saying, you know what, I'm doing the right thing for the right reasons. Well, Robert, integrity being intact, um, that's an important part for me personally because it allows me to sleep well at night. But I'll tell you, this is something that then goes back to the burnout aspect. When you're living a constant lie, you will burn out. If you're living in truth, you'll never burn out because the truth will set you free. We know that, right? And I wanted to kind of point out that when you have one person that no matter how bad the day is, no matter how many burdens or how many obstacles, how many hurdles you have to overcome, one person says something like, you saved my life, or you, or, or this, you can just feel it. You know, they just say something in a way that you, can, you just know. So, yeah. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago we were talking about pancreatic cancer? We talked about the one-year and two-year survival. Um, and I happened to mention one of our patients that about two and a half years out now with pancreatic cancer and, you know, perfectly good, clean bill of health. And um, I was mentioning him, and on Facebook, he popped up on the live stream, and he sent me a message, and, you know, we said hi and everything. But I just, you know, had a follow-up, and I can tell you that so, so they, they don't live in North Carolina. They, they're, uh, they actually uh, live in, uh, in uh, Ohio. And I, I had the opportunity to see them, and uh, after we finished talking, the wife gave me a hug, and it was one of those hugs where, you know, it's a 30-second long hug, and she started heaving like she was, you know, crying. And when she let go, she said thank you, but she had a hard time saying thank you, and because she was choked up. And then, of course, that made me emotional, and I had tears in my eyes, and the patient had tears in his eyes. But, you know, when you have a feeling like that, I don't know how many doctors have had the privilege and the honor and have been humbled to be able to have an experience like that. But I have had that happen 1,500, 2,000 times perhaps in my, in my career. I mean, to that point where it's, it's just a, it's, if you just experience it one time, it's enough for a whole lifetime. But, you know, I've had the privilege of experiencing it many times. Do you remember the advanced medicine seminar that we did when that lady, when I asked, you know, how many people would be willing to put their lives, you know, on the line and, and, and trust what I've just said, and two people raised their hands and, Remember the lady that walked up that was in a wheelchair for six years or seven years, and she walked up and she told her story. You remember that? Never, never forget that. I mean, right. just yeah. Those types of things when they occur, then you start realizing that that one type of experience, that one little incident, will fuel you for the next five years of your life, no matter what type of obstacle you have to come for. And then you get another experience like that, and that refuels you again. These people that are suffering from burnout, they've never had that experience. They've never you're had right. that experience yeah. because they're, you're talking about integrity, but. Let's put integrity aside for a second. They have never truly seen the blessing that comes when you move in truth. And that's why people like you and I and other people throughout the world, I've got Dr. Bunch right now is one of the doctors from the Philippines. You know, I'm sure she knows exactly mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. We get to experience things that very few other people get to experience. And if everybody were to be able to live in that truth, and they would all experience it, and the planet's consciousness would leap exponentially onto another level. 
Well said. Well said. I know that experience is extraordinary. I mean, we get messages all of the time if we go out and speak and go to events and, you know, the, the gratitude that you feel or, as you said, the hugs that are just, my gosh, they're, 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 they're gushing gratitude, if you will. And it just energizes you, only strengthens your knowledge that you are on the right path. And, you know, we also talked about this a few weeks back, and I'll bring it up again, that, you know, when people say, well, aren't you afraid? You know, Dr. Batar, aren't you afraid? They always ask these questions. And like, as we said, when you're on mission, when you're on purpose, there is no room for fear. Why would there be fear? What's there to be afraid of at that point? And this is what we're talking about. But we have in the allopathic medical world, good people want to do good, but they're operating in in uh, an environment of fear, whether it's frightening patients to do vaccines or whether it's being frightened to give them, right? It's on both sides. Exactly. That's exactly right. And, you know, I mean, just we're just sitting here talking right now. And on Instagram, somebody just sent me a message. And it took me a couple of minutes to even recognize who it is because I'm trying to figure out who it is. But somebody, uh, her name's Katina, and she was a patient in the clinic. And she just said, hi, Dr. Bichard, thank you for saving my life with, you know, prayers and, and gratitude. But I'm, I'm looking, and I didn't recognize who that was till I looked at the first name and then I realized who it is. And Katina, you saved your own life, and God gets all the credit for it, so... You know, if I was along for the ride, then then I'm grateful that I had a part in it. But this is an important part. Just, just I mean, this, you know, how many people um, are out there, Robert, that if they feel this way, that would ever not have a positive thought? And those positive thoughts are nothing less than prayers. So when you have people whose life you've impacted, and, and then they're thinking about you in a positive way, that's an intention, that's a prayer, and those prayers are coming back to you. This is why those doctors get burnout because they don't have that same um, support system. And mm. I, I can't feel burnout because I've got so many people that are sending me good intentions. And, and you know, so again, I'm a selfish person. The more the more reason I'm doing this, and I've said this before on stage, the more I help people, the more prayers I get. So I do it for a selfish reason because I get more prayers. But, you know, I'm trying to be facetious somewhat. But, you know, in mm. a way, it is true, too, because if you do good, more good comes back towards you. No matter how much uh, obstacles, no matter how much uh, how many hurdles or whatever you have to deal with. And yeah. I believe that the burnout issue you're talking about with doctors, if they would do just what they need to do, like this doctor that got um, the, the reprimand or the guy lost his license for doing the vaccination letter in California, right? Right. Well, Dr. Sears has got on probation now. He didn't lose his license, but he's on probation. Probation, right. Okay, so yeah. he's going to have many people's gratitude for having stood up for that but my question is, why did he allow them to put him on probation? I mean, they could have made a bigger stink out of it. But I was told yeah. also, and this is a very true statement, they're, they're um, basically intimidated and they don't have any money to fight it. So they have no other choice but to but to sign something. And, uh, you know, a lot of these doctors that are suffering from burnout is because they don't have that part that they that they forgot about or they don't talk about. I'm writing a book called The 21 Biggest Mistakes the Doctors Make. Mm-hmm. And it's these type of mistakes, not medical mistakes, but these type of mistakes. They forget that mm-hmm. their obligation, their ethical responsibility is to the patient and not to the medical board. They need right. to take care of the patient at whatever the cost is. It's easy to forget that because they're intimidated into forgetting that. They, they count on you by frightening you to forget those real reasons why you became a doctor. Folks, and, and, and then on this front, again, transition now into... And you figured it out before Super Don with his calculator. I'll have to say this. For those watching on YouTube, you saw it happen. But uh, here we are. We figured out 850 million people worldwide have kidney disease. Out of 7.4 billion, that's around 12%. That's over one out of every 10 people on planet Earth have kidney disease. What does that mean? 
How does this happen? Is kidney disease a genetic disease? Is it possible that throughout history, 12% of everybody born had kidney disease? Or could it be due to something that Dr. Batar and I talk about all the time, the law of the terrain? And we've added the burden to the terrain by polluting it, intoxicating it, whether it be the outer world or whether it be injecting into your inner world and creating a burden for your liver, your kidneys, your excretory system, and these heavy metals devastating, devastating the renal cells to the point where they're dysfunctional that 850 million people on planet Earth are suffering with kidney disease, Dr. Pitar. I didn't know the numbers were this staggering. I had no idea either. I mean, that's 12% of the world's population. That's shocking. But when you start thinking about it, if you look at the organs of detoxification, kidneys, they're filtering everything. You know, kidneys and liver, and of course, gut and skin, but um, Mm -hmm. the, the kidneys, everything that we drink and a lot of what we eat gets broken down by the kidneys. So it makes sense. And the more pollution we have that we're putting into our bodies, the more the filter that's filtering out a lot of that pollution is going to be taxed. So it makes sense. Yeah, and they say uh, they wanted to give a comparison. They said it's twice the number of diabetics, 422 million, uh, 20 times the number of people with cancer at 42 million. So you think about that. Where is all the focus going on cancer and diabetes? But 850 million people die. Well, I don't know. Ultimately, when we talk about what causes your body to give out, what causes the destruction of every system in your body, your inability to remove the toxic burden that you've accumulated, whether it be metabolic or environmental. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So that's why it's so important to safeguard the organs of detoxification, which is primarily the liver, the gastrointestinal system, kidneys, and skin. And then there's other things that we need to support, obviously, too. But in the head map, Advanced Health Evaluation Assessment for Detoxification Medical Assessment Program, that is a tool that's free for the whole world to use to basically see where your level of detoxification, how well your organs of detoxification are functioning, and to be able to take that subjective data based upon symptoms that you're having and objectify it into a number that you can track, a numerical value that you can track, to see how well your body's doing. So I hope people are using that. that that's something that has been created, and please use it because it's it gives you information and insight to how your body's working. Yeah, and it also points out to the uh, the misdirection that occurs. And I could say modern medicine, but there's so much of, of what we got. We come back to the multinationals and the polluting of the planet. Yet those that claim love of the environment went the wrong way with Al Gore and said, oh, it's about global warming. And now they realize, well, the temperature didn't match, so it's about climate change. And it's like, well, how does that result in kidney disease. We have to have toxic poisons that are overburdening the systems of elimination to have that. Because if you have a healthy liver, you can handle hot weather better than if you don't, for instance. So your ability to adapt to all climates are dependent upon your excretory organs. Absolutely. That's absolutely. Your your ability to compensate, not just environmental compensation, but I mean, when we talk about environments, you're thinking about, you know, whether you're in a hot area or cold area, but you've got also the internal environment. Or, or like a traumatic environment, if you, God forbid, get in an accident, the better functioning your organ systems are, and this is one reason exercise is so important too, respiratory reserve and, you know, um, muscle integrity and all these things, they protect you, God forbid, you're in a traumatic instance, you fall from a height, you get involved in a car accident, whatever the case may be, that, that your body's ability to compensate is better overall. Yeah, resilience. And folks, if you're new to the show, Dr. Batar has an awesome book, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away. It's over my left shoulder. There it is. I'm pointing to it right now if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, After the break, we're going to come back and talk a little bit about men. Should they fight cancer or just embrace palliative care? Is it mutually exclusive? Or could we do something completely different from both of those things? Next. Great heavens. What kind of radio show is this? 
The Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, in the show notes, uh, you can find upcoming events. It's coming up faster than I imagined, but July 20th, Whitaker's Farm Market in Belleville, Ohio. So all of our fans in Ohio, I look forward to seeing you. It's in a a rural uh, farmland area, hopefully not too much of Monsanto there, but uh, we'll do a little organic uh, discussion there. And then the Midwest region for the health food stores, I'll be speaking on gut health there. And then we got the Cancer Prevention Convention, August 19th in Dearborn, uh, Detroit, Michigan. They still have you on the uh, docket there, uh, Dr. Batar. I hope you can make it. No, unfortunately, I will not be able to make it. I just talked to, I think, Stephanie. Yeah. And I told her that I would not be able to make it. So I think she wants to do some kind of a live video, you know, message or something like that. I don't think she wants okay. to per se, but yeah. Well, so be- much for hugging Dr. Batar. <laughs> Robert, you've always got a hug from me. You know that. All right. Air hugs, as they say. All right. We got a lot more to do, but only a little time to do it in. This last story, we were joking about it, and then Super Don called us out for not reading it. Thanks a lot, Super Don, making us look good uh, or bad. But That's uh, why I wear the producer hat. That's right, Mr. Producer. All right. Fighting cancer may detract men from palliative care. I mean, the headline is kind of off-putting. It's like... Uh, is it one thing or the other? But they did, you know, they talk about this idea of fight, 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 fight. And we've talked about this before. Looking at everything as a battle is draining. It's not that there's never a, a reason to go into battle and how it can challenge you and, and, and strengthen you. But there are times where it's detracting. And I'm just, I mean, I think they're going into a, well, we're giving up on you. You really should be fighting. Just take the drugs and feel good for a while you're here. As opposed to what we might offer to say, hey, you know what? There's another way out of this mess. Yeah, I think that um, this is one of those one of those uh, articles. When you read them, they make you think one way, and then you start to understand maybe there's another component to it. Um, so, in my opinion, Robert, as I was saying during the break, and then we decided to stop till we went live. But all along my career, that since I've been seeing cancer patients for almost 25 years now, um, actually more than 25 years now. Um, the one thing that was very evident to me, and I couldn't really explain it, but it was evident to me whether it was intuitive or, you know, I don't know exactly how, but it was very, very, I was very aware that cancer is nothing more than a wake-up call. In the last nine, ten years, it's become refined that cancer is because you're not living. And you get cancer because you're not living, because there's a stagnation. We've talked about this many times on the air, off the air. It's a stagnation of flow. It's a stagnation of uh, chi. It's a stagnation of your lymphatic. It's a stagnation of, uh, of, of your circulation. There's the stagnation of your thought process. There's a fear, uh, anger, uh, regret, guilt type component in there that just is eaten away at a person. And so when they're talking about the letting go in this aspect, I think you can take that part where you just let go of these issues and you start to get busy living life. I believe that in cancer, if you don't get busy living, if you don't get hear the wake-up call that mm-hmm. the Creator is sending us, that the universe is sending us, that wake up and start living your life, then by definition, if you're not living, you're dying. With growth, you know, with growth stops, decay sets in type of thing. And so when they're saying that palliative, you know, the palliative care aspect, but then they're also talking about um, 
How, how did you put it? Letting it go? Is that what you said? Letting go? Yeah, yeah. Instead of fighting, it's like they want you to let it go a little bit, right? Just don't make it a battle to the end, right? And and so, again, it's different perspective at different belief systems about what cancer is. They don't acknowledge what you've just said, and I agree. And you get years of warnings in most cases. I mean, I'm not talking about children born with cancer. That's a whole generational thing. But it's not that it just, oh, man, I just, you know, because I hear this and we joked about it. It's not funny, but at the same time, this is a reality. People say, well, other than the cancer, my doc says I'm perfectly fine. Yeah, and this is this is one of the this is one of those components. You know, my doc says that everything's fine, but then when they there's, there's something going on, blood work says everything's fine, but there's something going on, and then they finally end up getting a diagnosis of cancer or something else that's going on. Um, so I think this message of fighting, 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 don't necessarily fight. I think that's a that's a good message. You shouldn't fight because cancer. What was cancer before it became cancer? What were those cells that are cancer cells now before you got cancer? They were normal, healthy cells. So right. you're actually fighting yourself. So from that perspective. There is a truism to it, but to say that, to, you know, if that don't fight means give up, that's a totally different component. So this is letting go and, al- and allowing the experience to guide you and embracing your body and being grateful for the experience and then letting whatever needs to happen, happen. And, you know, you take action. And that's the yeah. thing we talk about. Whatever that well, is, maybe, however you decide to proceed it. Dr. Bittar, that's the spiritual level, right, that we got to get to, yeah. right? To that surrender to that higher power, to God. Folks, we're out of time. Dr. Bittar, another great, great advanced medicine. Tell them what they need to know. The power to heal is unequivocally yours. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Robert Scott Bell Show.